0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the World Anomics Podcast, brought to you by the UQES Diversity Team. During the semester, Abby, Ali, Eleanor and I will interview guests to talk about issues that matter. UQES would like to acknowledge both Turbo and Jaguar nations, traditional owners and their custodianship of the lands on which this podcast is taking place today. We pay our respects to their ancestors and their descendants, who continue cultural and spiritual connections to country, and we recognize their valuable contributions to Australian and global society. Welcome to the first episode of Academic Corner. We are thrilled to have Kieran Gibson, second year PhD student at UQ School of Economics. Welcome, Kieran. Could you please introduce yourself?
1: Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm definitely excited to be here. Uh, my name is Kieran Gibson, as you mentioned, and I'm a PhD student and sessional lecturer at the University of Queensland. I studied maths and economics at UQ and graduated honours in 2020. I received a microeconomic prize for my honours thesis and coursework, as well as a university medal for my entire undergraduate studies. Since then, I've been researching in the field of behavioural economics and game theory, as well as teaching Courses that are in the same field. Thanks again for for inviting me, and I'm excited to be here.
2: So, Kira, we'll start with something fun. If you were on a deserted island, what are three things you would bring with you?
1: Well, something that I like to do as a hobby of mine is play the piano. So, if I'm going to be stranded on a deserted island, I think having my own piano there would be really good because then I can play it all of the time. That's one thing. A second thing, maybe some sort of book that would be interesting. I guess taking a book isn't going to last you too long, though. Maybe some pen and paper so that you can write out stuff as well and draw and journal, things like that. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Just some some things to do if keep you interested.
2: Okay. um, This is a bit off topic, but you just mentioned you play the piano. Yeah. Do you have like a... Because I play the piano as well. So do you have a favourite composer?
1: I played classically up until grade seven, if you're taking like the A and B lessons. And then I was doing that in grade uh, 11 and 12 of high school. And then I stopped. I think back then I really enjoyed playing Beethoven pieces. Um, but I don't know if he would be my favorite because some of the ones I like listening to that I didn't learn to play, maybe were like more Mozart style. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe Beethoven just from what I got to to do. And that might change as an answer <laughs> if I got kept on going with it.
2: Thank you. Um, yeah, I think my favorite color beach, Sh- I I've always struggle to Chopin. Things, yeah, Chopin. 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 Yeah. Chuck
1: in some Claire de Lune, stuff like that.
2: I like, I really like, for example, like his nocturnes. I feel like his mm. pieces are just really beautiful and very emotive.
1: Mm. I think one of the last pieces I started to learn to play was by him, which was called The Three Nocturnes, I think. Um, oh, it- yeah. Yeah, and I I think I learned the first page just as I was stopping. Um, And I kind of want to go back and finish that. Yeah, it's good.
2: Yeah, those pieces are really nice. Anyways, um, back to the questions. So uh, what motivated you to study math and economics? So it's a pretty um, challenging degree. So was there anything in high school that led you to do it or was like math one of your favorite subjects?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Math has always been a favorite subject of mine. When I was in primary school I was just I was so excited to go to math classes I know it sounds really nerdy but we did a lot of problem solvings and riddles and puzzles and I just enjoyed that so much and when I went to high school I would also like do all the math subjects like maths b and math c and found them so interesting um, but actually when I went to university it didn't cross my mind right at the start to do a degree in mathematics And instead, I began, like, doing uh, commerce and IT at UQ. And I didn't even know what economics was because I'd never done it before at all. Um, And one of the compulsory subjects for commerce was Econ 1010. And I was just sitting there as a commerce student doing Econ 1010 and doing some, like, marketing and IT subjects. And very quickly realized that, one, I was fascinated by economics because I was studying People and how they make decisions in slightly a mathematical setting. Um, and then also that the other stuff I was doing wasn't really my forte. Um, I kind of missed the hardcore problem solving and puzzles that maths had to offer. So yeah, after about four or five weeks, I made the decision to switch um, and like refocused my, my coursework towards doing maths and economics by like dropping some of the IT subjects and picking up one math subject. And by my second semester at uni, I was officially enrolled in maths and economics. So yeah, that's how it began. And I haven't really looked back since because I, I legitimately just love it a lot and enjoy
0: it. So
2: Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like you have a real passion for both um, both parts of your degree. So I guess the next question that's sort of related is, um, did you structure your degree in a certain way for specific outcomes? So for example, did you know you hmm. wanted to... This thesis um, near the be- in your first year of study so you like did certain subjects that would help you with that or um, did you like want a specific career where maybe like the microeconomics part would be more relevant to macro
1: yeah this is actually a really good question um i always structured my degree based on what i found interesting i think that that became apparent when i switched my whole degree from a big picture point of view to maths and economics And once I was within maths and economics, um, I was actually still choosing courses in a similar fashion. Um, Perhaps that doesn't sound like really career savvy, but uh, part of my own career to date has been pursuing things that I actually am passionate about. And I chose courses using a similar method. Um, That being said, to do a major in quantitative methods for economics uh, back when I did it, you didn't have that much like flexibility in what you chose because to receive the major, you had to tick a bunch of boxes. And by the time you'd you'd tick them, you had like maybe two options left and I chose game theory as one of them um, and some other course that included some stats and game theory in another one. And then for maths, I did a lot of statistics in my maths degree. And then when I stopped finding it interesting or what, what I was kind of keen about, I then switched into a bit more psychology in some of my electives and like financial maths and just general stuff uh, in my fourth year. And yeah, I think because I was heading towards an honours year, um, I saw my undergrad as an opportunity to try different things because I knew that that specialisation in terms of my my actual field was was going to come in honours.
2: Oh, okay. I see. Um, so the next question I have that's related to honours, your honours is that in your honours statement, you mentioned you've developed a passion for teaching. So I've had you as a tutor for Econ 2050 and a lecturer as well. So maybe could you share a little bit about your experience being a past leader and a tutor? So I remember you were saying like in your very first lecture of 2050, how you started off as a tutor and then you now went on to being the course coordinator and the lecturer.
1: hmm Yeah so I've had an interesting teaching career so far mainly because I've gone from right at the beginning as a past leader um, all the way through to like you're saying now lecturing and course coordinating. Uh, It began so in my first year for people who do first year economics at UQ there's past classes in a lot of the big subjects which essentially is a form of class that's like a tutorial but instead of having one tutor there are two past leaders that run the class and it's It's more interactive in nature because the past leaders will will come and sit with you and work on questions with you and then show you the solutions on the doc cam. So as a student in my own first year, who's always been um, interested in teaching, I was just amazed at this idea of this past class where these students who are like a year older than me were already involved in some form of teaching at uni. And I I sat in my own past classes as a student just thinking, hey, I I think I could do this. I think I could do this. And then yeah i applied so at the end of my first year I applied to be a past leader and i got the job and i started in my second year doing pass and then just from there i just had all these doors open up and opportunities come up that i would chase after like for example i began coordinating the past program um, after a couple of years and then i also became a tutor at the same time as that so i was just teaching lots of different subjects um, I was involved in some projects with UQX to help design courses and review online courses as well. And this was more interesting back then because it was before COVID. So the idea of an online course was yet to be such a <laughs> reality. And I, I just, I really enjoyed teaching it. Teaching is something that includes a lot of work with people and problems. So when you're working with people and they don't understand something, getting them to understand it is a problem to solve and that fascinates me and I've just always pursued teaching options that uh, come about and like you mentioned um, one of those teaching options that came about last year was lecturing and course coordinating 2050 which I was definitely excited excited to do so yeah I've had an interesting teaching career so far and I've loved loved all of it
2: (laughs) yeah you were a great lecturer um last year I remember all because I do base and all of us, before we start the course, we were like, oh, no, it's the really hard one. It's the one that everyone fails, etc." cetera. So um, I think that was with the old lecture. So it was like a really um, nice, fresh breath of air to have you since you're like on the younger side. And um, we all really liked how you taught it. So I guess like as you've been a student in courses and then you moved on to being a past leader and then eventually a tutor, what would you say makes a good tutor and what qualities would a good tutor have?
1: Yeah, right. I think being a good tutor is something that um, can look different for different people. Like you mentioned before, one of the things that students in 2050 liked about my teaching style is that it was um, relatable, I suppose. And one of the strengths that I'm yet to have is being an expert in mathematics who's been here for decades and really mastered maths at this Uh, high level for years and years and years I'm not old enough to be like that it's just simply not me right now but instead I knew that what I had to offer was being a bit uh, being younger as you said and understanding what people don't get because I wasn't um, that different too long ago and then using that as a way that can be um, as a strength that can make me a good lecturer and I think tutoring is the same you have different different personality types different things that you're good at And being a good tutor tutor is sort of leveraging that um, in your teaching, whatever that looks like for you. The biggest mistake that I see people make is they, um, they have a tutor that they like and then they try to be exactly like that person. And if their personality is just very different, like say this tutor is very introverted and one of their role models as a tutor is very extroverted, they like put on this persona in their classes to try and be as extroverted and bubbly and loud as they can be. And if it's not really their their actual personality and what they're like it it can come across as a little bit fake or put on and is definitely sustainable to do that the whole semester and what I've definitely observed is that people like different things some people like the introverted tutor some people like the extroverted tutor and you're better off focusing on what you're good at yourself and being I guess who you are it sounds cliche but I think it's important um, and sort of playing to your strengths. The fact that people become a tutor means they already have something to offer because the hiring process is not is not easy to get through. And I think once you get into the the tutoring world, you then look at what are your strengths and how can you accentuate them in your class. And then when it comes to things you're not good at, your weaknesses, just try to minimize them. So um, don't pretend like they don't exist, but try to deal with them in a way that's not suddenly turning them into your biggest strength, but just not getting in the way of what you're actually good at.
2: I think you had lots of good advice there for future tutors or people who are already tutors and want to improve on themselves.
0: It's interesting, Taryn, I completely agree with you. Some of the best tutors I've had have been those who sort of play into their quirks a bit more, sort of really focus on their interests as well as sort of what Mm. they're really passionate about. I think it helps the whole class get a lot out of the tutorial so it's interesting to hear you say that Mm. um we're going to move on to a bit of a different tact now you're known to be very organized um would you have some organizational tips for our listeners
1: (laughs) that's very interesting um I didn't know that I was known for being organized but I guess that's nice to hear um the advice that I would have about being organized is being consistent I guess So I guess to begin with, from a teaching point of view, um, being consistent is like always, always uploading your lecture notes um, consistently on time and using a similar structure and things like that. And that comes across as being organized because people can expect something from you and then you have the chance to then deliver in terms of being a student and being organized. I think having some sort of calendar that you can put in all of your classes, having a calendar that has within each day, the hours of the day. So you've got maybe a a page that represents a week, um, in whatever calendar format you're using. And then every day of the week has an hour slot. And then you can put in your lectures, you can put in your tutes, you can put in your co-curricular activities, you can put in meetings, things like that into that calendar. And since I started doing that, um, Myself, it's it's allowed me to be a lot more organized. You can take on a lot more responsibility because when someone asks if you can do something, you can quickly say yes or no because you've already got uh written down, I guess, your availability. Don't fall in the trap of over-prescribing what you have to do by having some sort of schedule for every hour of the day that you must conform to. But instead, for me, what I do is I just put in like the important things that I cannot not do into that calendar. And then I know when I have time to be flexible, to do other stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to head out to the shops tomorrow and buy one of those. Sounds <laughs> great, um, so now we're going to move on. Um, we'll discuss the next sort of, I guess, chapter of your career that um, you've had as a research assistant and, and your honors um, degree and thesis. Um, firstly, you had an opportunity to be a research assistant. How, was how this experience for you?
1: Being a research assistant is something that happened at the end-ish of last year, semester two of last year. And the type of job that I was doing was actually more teaching-focused for that. Um, An academic that I had worked with in the past um, was looking for a teaching-focused job to be done. Um, And of course, that's my interest. And it was a game theory field as well. So he asked me to, to get involved with that. I really enjoyed it because it allows like all research assistant jobs. Essentially what makes it a research assistant job is that it's one given to you by an academic who has some sort of grant um, to hire someone to help them. And the beauty of those uh, opportunities is you get to work with academics. Um, And working with academics can help, help you to grow as a student, I guess, yourself, because you can see what they do and what they're good at. And then also kind of join them in their own work. And I think learning sort of with a hands-on experience is quite useful and research assisting is essentially doing that. So, yeah, I'd say it was a great experience. And for me, it was a teaching opportunity again.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of your um, sort of all roads lead back to teaching for you in, <laughs> in terms of your career, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, when you when you did decide to do um, your honors degree, when when did that sort of come about, and how did you how did you choose what your research focus would be?
1: Yeah, so yeah, like you mentioned, a lot of the the work that I have done has been teaching uh, related so far, and it wasn't until my honors year, which was in twenty twenty, that the research side of things began to kick up and start. Um, and I really enjoy them both, and I'm just lagging behind. I get on the researching because I've only started that relatively more recently in terms of my honours degree and choosing a research topic my approach i kind of have two two approaches for this i suggest to people and i actually did them both by accident so let me explain Um, before honours begun i contacted some of the lecturers and academics that i had as a student and i just said hey like i'm starting my honours year next year Uh, would you mind just meeting so i can ask you some questions about your field of research and I uh, just get some advice from you. So I met up with some of my um, favorite lecturers and people that I had um, had taught me and I was interested in their field as well. And yeah, they just gave me heaps of advice about what their field is like and things like that. And in doing so, sometimes they'd say, Hey, look, well, I've got this idea or I've got this friend that you don't know super well, but is in this field too. Um, would you be interested in talking to them? And basically use that as a platform to meet uh, more academics and to get connected with them and get exposed to ideas. I didn't come to them with my own ideas of what I was ready to do. Instead, I came to them saying, Hey, I like this field and I'm ready, ready for action. I'm ready to learn. Do you have anything on offer or anything to suggest to me to read or stuff like that? And yeah, I, I was lined up to work with someone. um, And then The second part of this this advice and story for picking a research topic is that at the start of every honours year, there's an orientation day where academics are asked to come and to present ideas to all of the students. And if you haven't had a chance to meet with anyone or you've just been waiting for this day, um, you can then partner with academics. And my supervisor, who's my supervisor right now, Vera Tabelda, she gave like a five-minute segment speech at this um, orientation day about this idea and this topic. And as soon as I was listening to it, I was like, yep, that sounds exactly what I'd love to be researching. Um, It just caught my interest. And it was something I'd already been intuitively thinking about in the past. And the idea of formalizing it in an economic setting was exciting. So I ran to her after the orientation day and told her this, and she was excited to work with me too. And then I, of course, was in contact with some of the other academics who I was already had other ideas with, and they, they gave me their blessing, Um, to go and work on this project that they knew I was excited about Um, and at the end of the day the academics are really excited to help you succeed and find you a project that you love so they were they were keen for me to get involved with this and yeah that's how I started my research um, topic and I've been continuing now with my own ideas um, and working with other people in this sort of line of research.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that sounds um, like great advice. I know last night we had a Careers and Cocktails networking event and um, I've been pretty confused personally about where I sort of want to end up with um, my career and speaking to people with such expertise has given me a lot of you know, context of what sort of I want to get to working towards in the future, which has been really exciting. So I really um, appreciate what you've just said. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll see you next time.